I'd like to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 2. We're continuing in this series of uh, songs of Christmas or lyrics of Christmas. And uh, today I end up, you know, Chris had his and Brennan had his. I get the old man, uh, Simeon. <laughs> and um, I'm privileged to be with you this, this morning to um, lead you in this time. And um, I'd like to open in a word of prayer. So please join me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's amazing when you uh, show us and open up our eyes to the fact that this is your word. And Lord, we are, we are humbled and we are forever grateful for the truth of your word. And Lord, we want to uh, acknowledge it right here with each other in this prayer time that this is your word and it points us to you, it tells us of you, it lifts you up and glorifies you. So Lord, help us here as we um, take this time that we would learn to be people who continue to grow and increase in giving you glory. Thank you, Lord, for this time, and thank you for um, this little brief appearance of Simeon. And uh, help us, Lord, to have ears that hear right now. Open up our eyes and uh, do your good work as only you can. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how many of you remember Kate Okpupara. Some of you remember Kate Okpupara and uh, her children. They were here back in the late 90s. And uh, just a wonderful, wonderful family. Um, I remember, you know, because we have a lot of people that come in, uh, like with the Navy, and they, you know, are here and gone. Well, the Okpuparas were from Nigeria. And they didn't really have to leave, in my opinion. And so I was, you know, coaxing them and encouraging them, just find a job here in Fallon. You know, they'd come here and, and uh, they were moving across the United States back to Georgia or South Carolina or some ungodly place like that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'll never forget, I had asked Kate, the mom, I'll never forget, and uh, I had asked her, so... Do you know people back there? Do you have a home church or a church that uh, you can find and get plugged into? And she kind of said, no. But then her face lit up. Some of you that remember Kate Okpapara, Jonathan was the husband, Kate's the, the mom. Her face just lit up. Oh, Woody, God's got his people everywhere. <laughs> and it just, it just stuck with me. And as we get started in our time this morning, um, that's uh, what we can hear again. God has his people everywhere, even in the darkest times. And that's one reason why Luke's gospel opens up like it does in chapter 1 uh, and then moves quickly into the incarnation story, the birth of Jesus. Uh, Luke records these songs. Um, it's like he's uh, got the top the top songs of the whole event right here recorded for us, right? And what these songs actually do, in my little opinion, is they help break the silence of 400 years. Remember what happens? Here's the Old Testament. Uh, and the last book of the Old Testament is Malachi, thank you. And then there's 400 years of silence and part of the breaking of silence, I like to think, is singing. I, if you didn't know, I like to sing. And, you know, here is part of what breaks the silence of God's revelation. It's singing and the lyrics. Praising God for sending the gift of amazing love, the gift of amazing grace, the gift of Jesus Christ into the world. And so Luke... Luke starts, uh, as, as we've mentioned at the beginning of our series here, um, 
Luke starts in, in chapter 1, and he says, um, he's compiled an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses. And that's a key theme for what we're dealing with here this morning. And the idea of witnesses in the Bible, when you come across that, that's a very important thing for us to, to, to take in and to, to hold to. Why? Because it, it's true. It's a historic event. It's not just some myth. There are historical witnesses to the fact that Jesus came and Jesus lived and he died and he was buried and he rose again. There were witnesses of this. And I, I just like to think in this way that, you know, this is the, this is one of the evidences of the resurrection. You look at and study 1 Corinthians 15 and you'll see that. Here's the evidences. Paul is saying in essence, hey, go talk to 500 some people. They're still out there. They're still out there. You go talk to them and you ask them. They'll tell you why. They're eyewitnesses to Christ's resurrection. That's exciting. And so here we have God's written revelation. Let's not, like we do with the, the carols, let's not take them for granted. Let's not take this for granted. Let's eat it up. Let's soak it in. Let's saturate what the Word of God tells us here. And so Luke goes on to say, you know, these witnesses are, are, are critical. And, you know, um, God will never leave himself without a witness. God will never leave himself without a witness. And I hope that you are a part of that. That you being a witness to his work in your life will be one of those witnesses in this dark world. Think of it. Here's a quick little survey. Lot. You're saying, wait a minute, why are you starting with Lot? I thought he really messed up. Well, Peter in the New Testament says Lot, uh, righteous Lot. Righteous Lot. He was in Sodom. Joseph. Joseph, he was uh, in prison in an Egyptian prison. Uh, Obadiah, in wicked King Ahab's household. Here's Obadiah being a voice for, for truth and for God. Daniel in Babylon. Esther and Mordecai in Persia. And here is one rather obscure fellow called Simeon in Jerusalem. Look at verse 25. Chapter 2, verse 25. Now, there's a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Simeon shows up without any real... Here's a, a listing of his background or his history. But we know that because of the, the 400 years of silence, we know the religious status in Jerusalem at best was stale, dry. Almost at an all-time low, if you will. Religious leaders, the Pharisees, were really steering people off course of the truth to religion, to the emphasis on following the Pharisees' code the way it was supposed to be in their estimation. So the setting in Jerusalem for the birth of Christ was, it was, it was ripe, ripe for hope, something to hope in. And let, let me just stop real quickly here and say, folks, some of you today, some of you this month, you have been without hope. You've been hurting, struggling, discouraged, whatever, and it's because there seems to be no hope. And this, again, holds true throughout no matter what happens to you or I, no matter what happens to me or you, we have hope. And you and I can hold on to that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And that is very important. And you might not be discouraged or without hope, but you know plenty of people that might be. And so we need to point people to this hope. And so this point in time, Jerusalem was ripe for hope. 
Okay. And so what we want to do is, is take a look at Simeon. And again, it's just a brief, brief appearance. It's not like uh, others talk about him. It's, it's real quick. And he's all of a sudden off the stage, if you will. Okay. And so I've, I've entitled this message. You can follow along with your outline that's in your bulletin. Simeon's song, Simply Surrendered. And so there's... Um, something that I think is very important that we understand with not only Simeon, but many characters that we like and read about in the Bible. We think, oh, and, and, you know, we've heard this before. You know, we tell the children, oh, be like David. Dare to be a Daniel. Be like this person. Be like that one. And we tend to, we can tend to do that right here with Simeon. We, we should be like Simeon. That'd be really good if we were like Simeon. But what we need to understand is it's God's work in Simeon. And we don't have a lot of detail of, of that other than what Luke, the brief things that Luke says. So remember and teach your children well in this. We want to be like who? Jesus. You can say it. We're in, you know, company here. <laughs> we want to be like Jesus. Not just turn and say, oh, let's be like Simeon. Simeon's got some really great things to look at, you know, to consider. But uh, there's three things in it that I, three main points to this message. And the first one is a spirit-infused life purpose. Spirit-infused life purpose. And that's what we see in verses 25 through 27. Look at it with me. Now, there's a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. So uh, we see certain things about Simeon here that we want to consider. Number one is he is righteous. Um, righteous. And this means really, um, it's the word dikaios, and it's meaning he's just. He has a right standing with God. Okay? Um, it wasn't because he he took things in and became you know obedient to the letter of the law. It's not that so much as it is here's a right standing with God. In other words, we call that justified. As we look at the big picture of the Bible, this man had a right standing with God. Okay, it wasn't something he earned because, like. All of us. Simeon could not earn God's favor, God's righteous favor. He couldn't because he was a man of flesh and blood. And so it is with you and I. You can, no matter what you do and what you accomplish, it's still not going to measure up. You will still fall short of the glory of God. And that's critical that we understand that. And some, again, we think of that as, oh, that's basic. Well, let's not take it for granted. You and I cannot earn God's favor. It's only through Christ. Okay? So, um, he was uh, a man who was declared righteous by God. A right standing. That's what we understand through this, uh, this one description of him. He's also devout. He's righteous. Then letter B, he's devout. Uh, he, he's a reverent person. The word means cautious. There's that aspect to the term. It's being careful, being cautious. He was a man that had a right standing with God, but here with devout, he's walking with God in a right way, in a careful way, a cautious way. He was honoring God, fearing God in his conduct. That's an important aspect for us as believers is is that we understand the term, the fear of the Lord. And that's not just something we file away. It's something that affects how we live. Um, when you are um, choosing to do something, you, uh, you know, as a believer, you want to make a choice that's wise in light of the fear of the Lord. Not that we're shaking in our boots right now. I mean, there is that somewhat of that aspect of the fear of God. But it's a matter of reverence and respect for God in your behavior. Okay? 
He was righteous. He was devout. Let her see he's waiting. He's waiting. We would assume that he waited expectantly for the Messiah. That's what that phrase means. Um, as you look at verse 25 there, he was uh, righteous, devout, and waiting for the consolation of Israel. All that is getting at is waiting for the Messiah. He understood that. We don't know how old he was. It doesn't tell us how old he was. But he was waiting for the consolation, for the Messiah to appear. And it was a confident hope. Okay? He was looking for the, for God's king to come. And so many of the, the folks in Israel, especially even some of Jesus' disciples, they were caught up in a nationalistic Messiah. Okay? And here's what I mean. They wanted their Messiah to take over and kick Rome in the rear and kick him out. A nationalistic Messiah. After all, Jesus could have, it seemed like, you know, with some of the miracles he did and some of the zealots that were disciples were like, hey, come on. Let's do this. Let's conquer Rome. Get him out of here. <laughs> and so, so many of them had that image of the Messiah in their thinking. And Simeon was waiting for the consolation. And actually, the term is the paraclete in the Greek. Many of you are familiar with that term, the paraclete, the helper, the comforter, the consoler, thus the waiting for the consolation of Israel. And so, um, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, uh, about the consolation. So, um, what do you think kept Simeon waiting? What kept him hopeful? He's an older man. Um, it seemed like he was kind of alone. What was it that kept him? Well, we see that in a little bit. We're going to see that. Letter D, uh, the final description of him in this portion uh, of this passage is he's spiritual. He's spiritual. He's a spiritual man. And we could uh, say, here's where that term surrender comes in. He's a surrendered man. Surrendered to what he has learned. It says in verse 25 that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Okay? The Holy Spirit was upon him. Meaning there's an anointing on him for a special responsibility, a special task. And so right here, we see that a spiritual man is a useful man in God's hand. Because he's going to be doing a specific task. And we're going to see that in just a moment in, in his song, if you will. Okay? And previous to this, it's interesting to read from Luke chapter 1, verse 1, on through to this point, because there's other people that Luke uh, gives an account regarding them being led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God working in some way through their lives. Elizabeth. And we figure Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. Zacharias, when he prophesied. I'll mention that idea that the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then verse 26, look at verse 26, it says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that Simeon would not die till he saw the Lord's Christ. There is motivation now. Somehow, the Spirit of God revealed this to Simeon and gives him hope to keep looking. He gives him hope to keep on waiting and looking for the coming of the Messiah. So, that's pretty special uh, revelation to Simeon there. So, then verse 25 tells us, with this confident hope, um, here he comes now, in, in the Spirit, into the temple, Led by the Spirit. 
Now, with that, I, with that in mind, that's a brief description. It doesn't go very deeply, but I want to ask, if you're a believer here this morning, most of you are professing Christians in your life, do you want to be spiritual? You say, well, I thought that's what a Christian was. Yes! <laughs> yes, you are! That's the idea. So if you're thinking you're not spiritual, then there's a problem. Got it? So there needs to be the investing in what? Waiting for God's uh, divine revelation to come? You have God's divine revelation right here. The written word. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? You want to be spiritual? I want, I want our young people to learn to be spiritual. Don't you? I want our, you know, our connect groups. I want there to be spiritual growth there. Uh, Sunday school, all over the place. We want to see spiritual growth. That's the idea of the church. That you and I would grow, be edified in the things of God. Are you a spiritual person? And if not, why? Why not? Well, I didn't go to Bible school. Baloney. There's a lot of people that didn't go to Bible school and are very spiritual. They, why? They've spent time in the Word. They've spent time walking and talking with God and fellowshipping and serving the Lord in their lives. That encompasses a number of things to help you grow, spiritually speaking. Okay? So Simeon was a spiritual person because I believe he was scripturally based. How did he know about the consolation of the Messiah? Or that, you know, how did he know about the consolation of Israel? Isaiah. He had to have been reading in Isaiah. Because there in Isaiah is the mention of the, the comfort of Israel, the consolation of Israel. Okay? So, Let's just say it for us, for our sake. There has to be, um, you know, in order for us to have this kind of description of us, this spirit-infused life purpose, that's what it ends up being, my friend. It's a life purpose. It's not just a, a patch on your arm. It's a life purpose. Why? Because the Spirit of God has permeated your life with His regeneration. It's new life in Christ. Okay? So, let's, let's, uh, let's take this in. It's, it's, here's the result of God's work in our lives is time in the Word. There's gotta be time in the Word. Time with the Lord, walking and talking with Him. And then a humble and hungry heart. We'll just leave it at that. There's all sorts of things you can add to it. But do you have a humble and hungry heart for God? That's the idea behind, here's Simeon. Simeon didn't come in boasting about, hey, let me tell you about, you know, how I've got the revelation of God here. He didn't boast about that. He was just ready. Okay? So, righteous man, devout, waiting, and spiritual. Okay? And by the way, in that last point, parents... With children at home. Here's a pattern that you need to be following. Young people to be taking in and saying, I need this. I need this in my life. I need, am I taking time letting the Word of God speak to my heart? Not just at Christmas time or Easter time. (laughs) Continually. Okay? We need that. Man shall not live on bread alone. The bread of heaven. The bread of Jesus. The bread of the Word. We need His His life-giving help there. Okay? What comes from that? Point number two on the back of your outline if you're following there. It's not only a Spirit-infused life purpose, but from that comes a spirit-ignited life perspective. Now it's a... Here's an outlook. Like, now I've got my glasses that I can put on and see uh, life's situations from God's perspective. 
This is what a true believer's purpose results in, is that you ought to be seeing life from a a God-centered perspective. It's why we have the Word of God, to help us to see all of life through the lens of God's Word, to see life through the lens of God's wisdom. And by the way, everyone has somewhat developed of a worldview of some sort, of some kind. You have a worldview. But the question is, whose is it? And a lot of times in my life, the way I'm living, it's now it's my own worldview that I'm looking at, at life through my own opinions and my own ways, my own selfish ways. And so the more we understand what comes with the, the, the new life in Christ, here's, here's purpose now, and here's an outlook that I need to have that follows that purpose. How do you perceive the issues and the concerns and the stories of life? Do you always go to Oprah? <laughs> you go to the newscast, guys? You know, no, we, we come to Jesus in His Word. That's why we can sing songs like, I was once blind, but now I perspective. Now I see. My outlook is because of God's grace. Okay? And behind that truth is the idea that we as believers are looking at this world and this life through the eyes of faith. The eyes of faith. We approach each day, we want to learn to approach each day, each circumstance, each encounter with eyes of faith on Jesus. And I refer to um, the Gospels, specifically Jesus' time and teaching with the Twelve. Think just for the one example, we always uh, tend to mention Peter. Peter jumps out of the boat, and well he doesn't jump out, I don't know, maybe he did jump out, but he gets out of the boat and what does he do? He starts walking on the water. And the disciples in the boat, you wonder how many of them were thinking, I'm, I want to. But there goes Peter. And you and I know what happened. He took his eyes off of the Lord and was watching the waves, right? Okay, he, he sunk. <laughs> That's what happens to us when we, as Christians, take our eyes off of Jesus. We, say it with me, we sink. <laughs> All right. And I want you to just jot down the reference of Luke 24, um, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I just wonder what prevented them from really recognizing Jesus. I think this is fascinating. They're walking with Jesus. Hey, did you hear the news? What's the news? Jesus kind of leads them on, you know. Well, there's resurrection. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like just an amazing little story here. But they were unable to recognize Jesus in that moment. They couldn't recognize him. But later, when he sat down and took bread and blessed it and broke it in Luke 24, 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Okay? Well, that's the idea that we carry on with throughout our lives, no matter how old you know we are, we carry on with this hope and this perspective. Many of you, you know, um, the expected your, your expected life, uh, you know, the the length of your life. Well, it's down to maybe one year, maybe it's down to five years. You don't know. I don't know. What's your outlook? What's your outlook like? Are you fearing death? Or do you have this hope that no, Jesus has conquered death and I'm looking to Him. I will trust Him and He's going to welcome me, not because of my own doing, nothing on my behalf. It's all of His grace. Do you understand this? Here's a hope that you can have. It's called aging with grace. Okay? 
Aging with grace. That's what we want. <laughs> okay, so under this point number two, a spirit-ignited perspective, letter A is a readiness to lift him up. A, a readiness to lift up Christ. Just like Simeon came and he picked up the baby and, and lifted him up, held him. Um, I would say if I'm Simeon, I'm embracing not only lifting him up, you know, but embracing, lifting and embracing the Lord. And at that moment, for this elderly, elderly man who kept watching, kept looking, kept waiting for the Lord's Christ, what a moment! <laughs> what a moment this is! And so what is there, as we understand it, what is there that compares to Jesus? What, what do you have that compares with Jesus? Please give that thought. Understand that there's a lot of things that we allow that take um, in now almost like a competition with Jesus in your life. Go after that and knock it down. Push it over. Get rid of it. It's idolatry. Right? What is equal to his person? What is equal to his work? There's no one. There's nothing. And so the idea of letter A under number two is lift up Christ in, in all aspects of life. Lift him up. Exalt him. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's what Simeon did. He lifted up the Lord Jesus. He embraced the Christ child. He held God. Can you imagine that? He held God in his arms. Letter B, a readiness also. And this is again your perspective. A readiness to depart and be with Christ. A readiness to depart and be with Christ. He had been told, you won't die until you see the Christ, the Lord's Christ. And so now, in his song, look at what he says there in verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And this is where we get this Latin term, nunc diminis. Okay? It means to depart in peace according to your word now. It's because of what God told him. And by the way, here's another little window of reminder God is and always will be faithful to His Word. And you can count on that. You and I can count on that. That's what God wants us to understand. He is faithful and He will keep His Word. Let's us be people that are learning that more and more. That reminding ourselves that God is faithful in all the things of life. That doesn't mean you're going to have a smooth walk. A carefree walk in life. No. It'll be challenging. Testing your faith. But remember, God is faithful. God always will be faithful to His Word. So Simeon was at peace with God. Now he had seen and held the Messiah. Now he's ready to go. He's ready to go. It's like what Paul said in Philippians 1. 20 and 21, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Folks, we, we, are, we need to be a people that are holding that truth to our hearts. To die is not the end. To die is gain. If we don't understand that, we're not being people of the word. There's great hope for us. So, I, I just, let me just say this. I, I really wonder, <laughs> you know, I know there's no boasting in heaven, um, but with Jesus... Wouldn't it be something if Simeon was walking around saying, hey, you know, I got to hold the baby Jesus. <laughs> I know that's probably not the case, but... Um, and it is. It's fun to hold little babies here in our 
in our congregation too, huh? But nothing compares to Jesus. So, uh, okay, so this is a spirit-ignited life perspective with a readiness to lift up Christ. Let her be a, a readiness to depart and be with Christ. And no matter what age you are, you can be young and still look forward to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Have a mind that's it's, uh, directed towards things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your mind on things above, where Christ is. Be more heavenly-minded than earthly-minded. Okay, number, letter C, a readiness to help anyone. Anyone see Christ. As Simeon has said in verse 26 there. I'm sorry, not in verse 26, verse um, 30. There it is, verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He could say that because there is the Savior that he's holding. And again, this is led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God helps him to understand and put things together in this way. But look what he keeps on going to say. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. So it's the idea that... Um, it's not just the people of Israel. It is Israel and the Gentiles. Okay? A light of revelation to the Gentiles. And this is really, of the songs in, in Luke here, this is the first one that really comes forth clearly about this salvation being for the Gentiles. And by the way, you and I should be saying, Amen, Triple wise. Amen, amen, amen. Because there's, I, I, I don't know if there's any Jewish people in here. We're all Gentiles pretty much. Maybe I'm missing one or two, but I think all of us in here are pretty much Gentile. And you and I better be thankful for that. That God went beyond his own people, Israel. And it, here now is his gift being a light of revelation to the Gentiles. For Every nation, every tribe, and every tongue to know that Jesus is the answer. That's why we support missionaries around the world. Wanting to help them spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he says, and the, and the glory of Israel. The one true Messiah. And sadly, Israel has, for the most part, rejected the true Messiah. As I said before, they wanted a national Messiah rescuing them from Rome. And that's, you know, similarly, I want to say this. You know, it's easy for us to think about um, getting a, a president that will take care of things in a Congress, a Senate, and House of Representatives that take care of things so that we'll be comfortable. We want, we want a life that's, you know, carefree. We want things to go our way. I know that's an exaggeration, but a lot of times that it's, that's the truth. And so there's a connection between how Israel's thinking and how a lot of times we think. Not that we are the new Israel. We're not. We're a nation that is becoming more and more godless. More and more ungodly. And we should have seen it happening back in the 60s. Maybe even before that. But here, again, here's the, the praise that's lifted up. This is praise from Simeon. And, you know, really, that's the, the idea of our perspective. Our outlook on life ought to result with, here's praise. God's in control. God is sovereign. And He's sent us His gift of salvation. We want to lift Him up. We want to be ready. We know at some point we're going to die. We want to be at peace with God. And then we want to be ready to share the gospel with other people. Okay, number three is a spirit-inspired life prognosis. The life prognosis is just here's, here's what's really happening. And we see that with this next set of verses. Look at verse 
34, Simeon blessed them, uh, Joseph and Mary, and said to his mother Mary, get this, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. Now, he's he's broken away from his praise of the Savior. Now to this, what is this? What is he getting at? It's, It's Simeon's prophecy that he's been given. But he's saying, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. So for mankind, that's what he's getting at. This is, mankind ought to be aware. Here's the dividing point. The dividing point is Jesus Christ. You realize there's no other option. It's either you receive him as Lord or you reject him. There's no in between. That's what scripture is telling us, not only here, but elsewhere. Here's the path of the righteous. Here's the path of the ungodly or the wicked. Here's light. Here's darkness. Here's truth. Here's falsehood. There are no, it's not like the, the, the people with, um, you know, polytheism want us to understand. Like, oh, you can choose whatever God you want. The Bible is exclusive in this. Jesus himself. You know it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me. Gee, where did Jesus' tolerance and love, love spirit go to? He's warning people. There is no other way. And that's what Simeon is giving here. He's saying, you know, here's, here's uh, what's, what humanity is left with. You either reject him or you receive him. And we can look at Simeon and say, you receive him by embracing him, by lifting him up, by loving and obeying him. So that's letter A for all humanity, all mankind, is this prognosis. Either you're going to reject him or you're going to receive him. Letter B for Mary. Mary gets a specific thing said to her. Look at this. In verse 35, it says, And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So now he's he's without giving the details, he is telling Mary, look... Your heart's going to be, your soul is going to be pierced with a sword. And that sword was Jesus suffering for you and for me. And he went all the way to Calvary. And there they stripped him. He had already been ripped apart in his back. His flesh was just flailed on his back. That's the cat of nine tails. They, they whipped him. It's not just the nails in his hands, but now he's nailed to a wooden cross and when he needs to take a breath, his back is going to get ripped up even more. Now, this is intended to create a vivid image of his suffering. Sin demanded there to be punishment. Sin demanded there to be a a divine judgment. And Jesus took it for you so that you might know him. And love him. And Mary was given this. You know, you think of it. Young moms, think of it yourself. You remember the time you had your child? Brand new mommy. Mary's brand new mommy. What is she dreaming? What is she hoping for her son? This is not just right after the birth. This is now about a month and a half after the time in Bethlehem. This is about a month and a half following that. Mary's had time to think about this and to dream about it. Hopes that her son will be a strong, handsome man, whatever, right? And Simeon comes and says to her, just stops her in her tracks, really. Says, hey, a sword will pierce through your own soul. And it has to be this way for the salvation of people. A life must be offered as a sacrifice. And so... What do we take away from this little brief appearance of Simeon? Simeon was hopeful. He had a confident hope. Let's ask ourselves, am I confident in the fact that Christ will return again? He's going to come again. And he will come 
as king of kings and lord of lords, not a little tiny baby. He'll come to reign. Okay. Are you expecting, are you looking for, are you waiting for the shout from heaven, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, the trumpet sound? Are you expecting that? Are you waiting for that? Are you thinking about that? And by the way, the signs given by the Lord Jesus are all around us. You know, more and more will continue happening. Let's be a hopeful people. Are you, like Simeon, a spiritual person? Do you know of the Holy Spirit's work in your life? Now, again, let's not confuse things. We don't have to have further revelation. We have God's revelation right here. And you and I need to be taking it in, consuming it, reading it. Because of being a spiritual person, are, what's your outlook like? What's your perspective life? So I want to. There's other things to consider in this um, in this time of wrap up and, and things that you can take away. But I, I'd like to just mention this. In this time, um, Simeon, we can say, was used of God. If I were to take. Glenda's cello right now, or Sierra's violin, I would chase you away with playing it. Those are really nice instruments, and they are, they're played really well. David on the keyboard, Noreen on the piano, John on the guitar. We like it when people can play their instrument well. As a Christian... You're an instrument. You're an instrument of God's grace and God's glory, of God's praise. God wants to use you in your life where you're at. It's the old thing of bloom where you're planted. Are you being used of God? Do you want to be an instrument of His praise? I want you to think about that because that's really the issue with Simeon. He, he wasn't a big uh, high flutin priest in, in, in the temple of Israel. We don't know. He, there's not, not a lot. He's an ordinary guy. That's what we're getting at. And you and I are ordinary people. And God wants to use you. God wants to use you so that you will respond with a perspective and praise coming forth from your life, not just on a Sunday. And so, it's, it's like Romans 12 mentions being a living sacrifice. A living, not a dead one, a living sacrifice. So, I want you to keep this in mind. As I read this passage, I'm going to read two passages, then we'll pray, okay? Romans 6, verses 12 through 14. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as though who, those who have been brought from death to life. And your members, present them to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you. Do you understand? That's amazing. Because of Jesus... We can join in with that statement. Sin won't have dominion over us because of Jesus. His Spirit working in your life. Okay? So, let's uh, tell you what. Let's stand for this final reading and then we'll pray. I want you to think of it, of being an instrument where God has you at, in your neighborhood, at work, that you're an instrument in God's hands, useful to the Master. 
but God's firm foundation stands. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2. God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but vessels of wood and hay and, and clay, and some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honor, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. You've been saved by grace. You're his workmanship. Go and serve him and rejoice in this. We have the greatest hope in the world, my friend. We have the greatest hope because of Jesus, his one life, his death and resurrection. And now there's great joy that we can know of. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this one life of Simeon. And Lord, may we be surrendered to you. The majority of us here say that we know you. So help us to be surrendered to you today. Desiring to be used of you just like a, an instrument playing forth music as just uh, unique and needed in this world. Lord, thank you again for your good work in the lives of your children. And we pray that you'd be glorified as we go this day uh, and as we come again uh, to celebrate tomorrow night. I pray that tomorrow night would be a a very special time uh, to hear why people need the Lord Jesus, not just as a little baby, but as Lord of their lives. Help us, Lord, to continue praying about this and help us, Lord, to be a, an encouragement to others around us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. At this time, there will be a couple up front that will uh, be available to pray with you if you'd like. And um, thank you so much, and you're dismissed. <laughs>